Hello and welcome to Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. I'm Ken Broman, folks, and I'm glad you're here. Hope you find today's episode meaningful, spiritually challenging, and nourishing to feed your hunger. I'm on Thomas's side. If anyone has gotten a bad rap over the last 2,000 years of Christianity, it is Thomas. All the poor guy wanted was the same proof that everyone else in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John gets. He isn't asking for anything special, quite the opposite. Something special is being asked of him. He is being asked to believe something everyone else has seen with their own eyes, felt with their own hands, heard with their own ears. But Thomas is supposed to simply accept it all on faith without the benefit of seeing or hearing or touching. He's just supposed to believe it. And when he has a hard time doing this, he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas. It's not fair. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and gets to see the stone rolled away. Thomas never gets to see the stone rolled away. She goes and tells Peter and the other disciple that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty and they have a foot race to get to the tomb. And, and the other disciple gets there first, but he lets Peter go in first. And Peter looks and sees the empty tomb and the empty grave clothes. Thomas never gets to see the empty tomb and the empty grave clothes. The other disciple then goes into the tomb He sees the same thing, and John says he believes. This is the first of many combinations of the words seeing and believing. A lot of people get to see and then believe in this 20th chapter of John's gospel. He believes because he sees. Now, granted, he doesn't see much. He sees simply the empty tomb and empty grave clothes, But he gets to see something, which is more than Thomas gets to see. Peter and the other disciple leave, and the focus shifts to the garden outside the tomb where Mary Magdalene is crying because she believes grave robbers have stolen the body of Jesus. She goes to the tomb, she looks inside, and she sees two angels. Thomas never gets to see two angels. She then turns around and Jesus is there, but she thinks he's the gardener because she has not yet seen and believed. Jesus, the gardener, asks her why she's crying. She explains that she thinks that they have taken his body and, uh, and she doesn't know where he is. And then Jesus says, Mary. In that very special way, only Jesus could say her name. And then she sees who this really is, and she believes too. 
Needless to say, this is a lot more than Thomas gets. No garden for Thomas, no angels for for Thomas, no gardener for Thomas, no Thomas, the way only Jesus could say Thomas. Mary even gets to start to hug Jesus. Thomas doesn't get to hug Jesus. That very same evening, the disciples are gathered together in somebody's house. The doors are locked because they're afraid that the Jewish leaders may still be looking for them. We don't know how many were in the room. It could have been the original 12 disciples. It may have been many more than that. But what we do know is that Thomas wasn't there. And then suddenly, Jesus appears in the room. The doors are still locked. If there were windows, they're still closed. But there is one more person in the room. And Jesus speaks to them and says, Shalom, peace be with you. And then what does he do? He shows them his hands and sigh. Do you ever think about that? Everyone else gets to see Jesus magically appear in the room. And then Jesus shows them his hands and his side. They get to see, and now they believe too. You know who doesn't get to see Jesus, hear Jesus, witness the wounds of Jesus. He's just supposed to accept it on faith. And when he has a hard time doing that, we shake our heads sadly and say, poor Thomas, he's such a doubter. Not fair. All the poor guy wants is what everyone else has gotten. He's not asking for anything special. Instead, something special is being asked of him. While everyone else gets to see And then believe. Thomas is being asked to believe without seeing. To accept it all on faith. A week goes by and the group is gathered together once again in the upper room. The doors are still locked. Only Thomas is with them this time. And Jesus appears once again. He focuses his attention on Thomas. You notice here that Jesus gives Thomas what Thomas needs to believe. He says, do you need to see my hands? Here are my hands. Do you need to touch? Do you need to put your hand in my side? Here is the wound. Jesus lovingly gives Thomas what he needs. A lot of times we think Jesus is scolding. Thomas here. There's no indication that Jesus is scolding Thomas. He's simply giving to Thomas what everyone else in the room has already received. And then Thomas sees and believes too. Now, the way I picture this, if we were actually standing there getting to witness this, being in the room, watching this happen kind of as a scene playing out before us, I picture Jesus standing as Thomas kneels before him, saying, my Lord and my God. And then I picture Jesus reaching down and placing his hand on Thomas's head and saying, 
you have seen, and now you believe. And then I picture Jesus lifting his eyes and looking at you and me and saying, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You see, John ends the gospel with this story about Thomas because John understands that Thomas represents you and me. We didn't get to see the stone roll away either. We didn't get to see the empty grave clothes or the angels or the gardener. We weren't there on Easter evening when Jesus first appeared to his disciples. We didn't get to see the hands or the side either. Like Thomas, we did not get to see in order to believe. Like Thomas, something more is being asked of us that we accept it all on faith. John himself ends his gospel by saying that he has written all of this down. Basically, he's saying, I know you didn't get to see it. I know you weren't there to hear his stories, to watch his miracles. You weren't there to see him crucified. You didn't get to see him risen. You didn't see his hands and his side. So I wrote this down. You didn't get to see and believe I wrote it so you could read and believe. Thomas isn't a bad guy. He is you and me struggling to accept these wild ideas that we want to trust. We try to put our faith in, but it is difficult at best. Jesus knows that. Jesus understands, just as he understood Thomas' struggles and gave Thomas what he needed to believe. If we keep struggling, if we keep trying to trust Jesus, put our faith in this story, Jesus will give us what we need to believe as well. By the way, there's a wonderful legend about Thomas. It's just a legend, but most legends have a kernel of truth in them. After Jesus ascends to heaven, the legend goes, each of the disciples is assigned a nation to go and to preach the good news to, and Thomas is given the nation of India. Thomas does not want to go to India. Thomas feels he's not strong enough to do that. He says, I am only a Hebrew man. How can I go to the Indians and preach the truth? Well, that night, Jesus appears to Thomas and says, do not be afraid to go to India, for my grace will be with you. Thomas responds by saying, I will go anywhere for you, Jesus, except India. I will not go to India. Well, there happened to be a merchant in Jerusalem at the time from India, and he was looking to hire a carpenter. Thomas was said to be a carpenter by trade. So Jesus comes to this merchant on the street and says, I understand you're looking for a carpenter. The merchant says, yes, I am. Jesus says, I have a slave 
who is a carpenter, and I want to sell him. So he points to uh, Thomas, and they make an agreement on the, on the cost, and they walk over to Thomas, and the, and the merchant says, Is this man your master? Thomas says, Indeed he is. The merchant says, Well, he just sold you to me. And off Thomas sails to India. When he gets to India, he is hired by the king to build a palace for the king. Thomas says he is able to do that, and so the king gives Thomas a huge sum of money to build this palace, but Thomas gives all of the money away to the poor. And each time Thomas goes back to the king for more money that he gives to the poor, he assures the king that the king's palace is rising. So finally, the king gets a little suspicious about this, and he asks Thomas one day, Is my palace completed yet? Yes, it is, sir, answers Thomas. When then might I go see it? Asks the king. Well, you cannot see it now. But when you depart this life, then you will see it. The king is angry at first. But as they continue to converse, Thomas brings the king to a knowledge and belief in Jesus Christ. And indeed, there is a church in India that to this day traces its roots to Thomas. You see, Thomas isn't such a bad guy. He really is you and me, waiting to believe, wanting to believe, wishing he could see the things everyone else got to see so that believing would be easy. But in the end, if we will take the faith that Jesus gives us, that has passed down to us through Scripture, and if we will live that faith, Jesus will give it to us. Jesus will give us what we need to believe. And not only will we have life, but Christ's life will flow through us, touching the lives of others and building God's kingdom in this world. Amen. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. My prayer is that this message has touched you, challenged you, and nourished you in your spiritual journey. If so, please share Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies with your friends, and I pray God's blessings on you today.